If you're just joining us today, we've been talking about estate planning as we head into the final few months of the 2023 tax year, what we should be considering. I'm Wayne Nelson, and you're listening to Talk to the Experts. My guests today are Sherry McMillan and Paul Lindsay from McMillan Estate Planning. A reminder that the McMillan team will be hosting a virtual webinar on Wednesday, September 13th at 6.30 p.m., and a special live seminar at the Fairmont Palliser Hotel in Calgary on September 27th, also at 6.30 p.m. Now, for those who can't attend that seminar in person, the seminar will also be held online at 6.30 p.m. You will need to register ahead of time for any of these seminar webinars. Call Macmillan Estate Planning at 1-833-266-6464 during weekday office hours or visit their website for more information at macmillanestate.com. Sherry and Paul, just before the break, we were talking about some of the other benefits of setting up a trust. So let's continue there. I think, Sherry, we were talking about the control aspect. And, Paul, I'm going to throw it to you. Um, Where would you like to pick up on that thought? Thanks, Wayne. So I can go anywhere I want? Uh, On trust planning, yes. Right, okay. Sorry, I thought for a moment (laughs) my dream had come true here. But... Um, maybe, maybe Wayne, a few things I'd like to speak to are uh, the advantages of, of using trust whilst we're still alive. You remember we said that we can create them in our will or, or, or during our, our lifespan. Our lifetime, yes. Now, if we create a trust in our lifetime, one of the significant benefits of that is that we can actually avoid the probate process. And as, as some of your listeners will inevitably be aware, the probate process can be something of a minefield. And it also gives them a, another full-time job to contend with whilst they're dealing with the estate. So if we can structure our estate using trusts so that our families don't need to probate, well, that's a good thing. It's going to save on time and costs and things like that. But equally, as we all know, it's quite common for families to own real estate, for example, outside of the province. And if that province implements provincial probate fees... For example, in BC, there's a 1.4% on estate value when it's probated. Theoretically, by having our estate in a trust, we can save your family, let's say, $14,000 for every million of value by, by simply having a trust that dispenses with, with the probate process. And that's, as it applies to BC, every other province has their own unique uh, tax legislation laws. In, indeed, some, some less, some more. But the, the, the reality is it, it's, it's, it's just another levy. It's not a formal tax, but it's certainly something that if we can remove it from your estate using a trust, that's, that's no bad thing. All right. What about the tax aspect of things? Actually, before we go to tax aspect things, I wanted to backtrack just a bit, Sherry. You talked about the control aspect of, of the trust. And this is um, a great tool to use when you have perhaps uh, a family member who is a bef- beneficiary who may not have the uh, wherewithal to properly manage an estate. And this is where a trust can come in. It's certainly a viable tool for many circumstances and family dynamics and situations. So uh, the common reasons that we'll use a trust for children, for example, is if we call them spendthrifts. So they're not good at money management. Um, It's not their gift. They can't hold a dollar in their hand, you know, for very long. They have the gift of of being able to take that money and and spend it. That's right. (laughs) And, you know, usually if a family has more than one child, of course, children are unique. So everybody has, you know, different gifts in the family unit. And so we have to bear in mind one of the blessings of a trust is that we can very much customize to each child's needs. So if we have a child, for example, that is a spendthrift, maybe you don't give them full access to the wealth 
rapidly. Maybe we give them an income stream instead because that's more helpful. A really common uh, use of a trust today in modern society, sadly, is for mental health because, as we know, 25% of us have a mental health issue. And so if you have a family of four, the statistics are somebody is going to have an issue of some kind. Yeah, and that issue could be quite severe. You could have someone with, let's say, cerebral palsy. That's uh, right. As an example. That's right. So we see a, a lot of different variances. Sometimes they're physical, sometimes they're mental. Addiction is another prominent one, Wayne, that we see a lot in our office. And so, you know, if, if you were to give millions of dollars to a child with addiction, that could be a death sentence to that child. Um, and obviously, that's not our intention. We love our children. So, for example, one of the trusts we build is an addiction trust. And how we design it is that the wealth will go into trust for the child. They don't own the assets. The trust owns the assets. So we could provide housing, for example. But then they can't go sell the house and take the money to utilize for, for drugs or other, you know, substances. Because the house is owned by the trust, not the individual. That's right. And so we'll put things, clauses into that type of trust, such as... Uh, we will pay for all treatment. So if they need to go into treatment, we'll pay for uh, counseling. Uh, we will pay for, we will match their income stream. So if they're functional and can earn income, we can give them income to reward them for working hard to go into recovery. Um, some of our families, you know, even put in things, clauses such as we want our children um, reviewed for dual diagnosis because often addiction has an underlying issue beyond addiction. So you can see how a trust is really just a tool to manage your situation and the dynamics and the issues that you face as a family in modern society. So you may have a child in one family with an addiction, and then you may have another child that's facing matrimonial problems. So we're using the trust, one mechanism, but we're using it for multiple reasons to solve many issues in the family unit. And it's not only used for children. Um, in my career over the last 30 years, I often see it utilized for spouses. So, you know, both husbands and wives, I'll have a spouse, you know, a couple come in and they'll say, my wife has a bipolar and and she'll be sitting there with us in the meeting. And she says, yes, I do. And you know, when she's in her um, flair, you know, she might spend the entire estate and leave herself destitute, or she might marry again a crazy person. Like, how do we protect her? And so these trusts are really the vehicle, unlike a will, because a will just ends the moment you die and the assets are distributed. This becomes a measure of control and management of the estate to protect our loved ones. And I imagine, too, that as people are living longer, <clears throat> uh, dementia becomes a factor, and this would also be uh, covered under trust. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose when, when it relates to something like dementia, we have other uh, safeguards from a planning perspective, things like uh, enduring powers of attorney and personal directives. But equally, back to the point that I was making before about holding assets in a lifetime trust, if the person that's created that trust is acting as, as trustee along with others and they do suffer a, a loss of capacity, if we've drafted the trust in the right way, we can ensure that the estate isn't sort of disrupted in terms of management upon that that loss of capacity. All right. Business succession has to be a big one these days, You've, as we've discussed. And I think, Paul, we just uh, touched on that uh, before I side railed you and, and, and went back to the control aspect. But, you know, a lot of companies, a lot of individuals have created successful businesses and they would like that legacy to continue. 
Yeah, and, and, and of course, trust can be really useful in that context as well, Wayne, not only to facilitate the, the succession of the business, but also in conjunction with a, um, an efficient tax planning strategy. That, that, that sits nicely with, with the business succession. We can use trusts as a means of um, providing a tax deferral in your estate, um, as a means of, of multi multiplying lifetime capital gains exemptions, as well as giving the next generation, the successors in the business, that formal interest through the use of a, of a, of a well-designed trust. All right, we're going to pause for a break, but before we do, I guess it would be fair to say, in summary, that if our estate is held in trust during our lifetime, then our assets are protected from any claims. Now, the Macmillan team will be hosting virtual webinars coming up Wednesday, September 13th at 6.30 p.m. and again on Wednesday, September 27th at 6.30 p.m. to talk with you about these kinds of topics, about estate and life planning. For those who prefer an in-person experience, a live seminar will be held at the Fairmont Palliser Hotel in Calgary, also on September 27th at 6.30 p.m. Now, to register, you will need to contact Macmillan Estate Planning. The number is one 833 266-6464 during weekday office hours, or you can visit their website for more information, macmillanestate.com. Sherry McMillan and Paul Lindsay are my guests today, and we'll be back with more on Talk to the Experts.